Osiris. The following program is brought to you by Osiris Media. This is your host, Neil the Night Holler. And direct from New Orleans, it's time for Trick Bag, your ultimate destination for the heppest tracks ever waxed. From Blue Monday to Saturday Night Fish Fry, from early in the morning till the midnight hour. For rhythm and blues and rock and roll, this is the place to feed your soul. So let's get ready for some sweet musical treats as we open up the Trick Bag. On this installment of Trick Bag, I'll be digging out an old interview with Bobby Hendricks, who spent some time as lead singer of the Drifters, and also had some successful solo hits. I had the chance to talk to Bobby back in June of 2013, and I'll be sharing that interview with you tonight. So here he is, Mr. Bobby Hendricks. I want to welcome Bobby Hendricks, who's a legendary R&B singer, spent some time with the Drifters and the Swallows, and had a successful solo career. I want to thank you very much. Well, thank you, Neil. I was, uh, I've been quite lucky in my life. Uh, ever since I started singing with the big guys in uh, 1957, before that I was with a group out of Columbus, Ohio called The Crowns, which was my group. But we had to do a show, uh, to open a show for Bill Pinkney and his drifters as they were coming into Columbus, Ohio. And uh, we did. We did a good show for them, and uh, we were jumping all around the stage, the young boys, dust flying out of the cracks of the floors and all that stuff. We did a good show, and by the time our show was over, we waited for Bill and them to come on, Bill and the Drifters, and they did the one heck of a show. But Bill was impressed with my voice and told me, asked me rather, how would I like to be the next lead singer for the Drifters? Man, that's the best news I've ever heard in my life. So I joined the Drifters. I think being with Bill Pinckney and the, the Drifters at that time was the biggest thing that ever happened to me. I was so glad because it opened a lot of doors for me. And I stayed with them, um, I'd say actually about a year and a few months because I had an opportunity to do uh, solo on Sue Records. And I had recorded something called a song called Itchy Twitchy Feeling and a few other songs. We had a good time out of it. I preferred to sing on my own a whole lot, but my biggest thrill was being with the Drifters. And I really liked those guys. We really got along together, but it was just that there was no money in the group coming in. And guys didn't like that idea. I think they were only getting some, I was only getting $100 a week. And Bill was getting about two. And they didn't like that. They knew it was a lot more money coming in then than they were supposed to get. So that's why the group drifters just fell apart. And drifters were very appropriate. That's why everybody just drifted someplace else. Drip, drip. Drippity drop. Drip, drip. Drippity drop. Well, she packed up her clothes and she moved out on the midnight train. Trip, 
Drip Drop by the Drifters, recorded April 28, 1958, with lead singer Bobby Hendricks, who had just recently been brought in to replace previous lead singer Johnny Moore. Johnny's one heck of a singer. I also sang with a fellow named Gerhard Thrasher, Andrew Thrasher, which was two of the original Drifters, the two brothers, uh, and then Jimmy Milner. We were on Atlantic Records, and I think I recorded about three songs with the Drifters, uh, Moonlight Bay, Drip Drop, and suddenly there's a valley. They came out pretty good, except one had uh, a group of people that backed us up on that song, Moonlight Bay. It didn't come out the way we recorded it, but uh, Lever and Stoller were still happy with it, so we left it as it was. Oh, oh, oh. 
been fun, man. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. We were all at the Apollo Theater. Some of the biggest people in the in the music world was there: Fats Domino, Chuck Berry, Laverne Baker, so many people. The Dominoes, uh, a lot of guys out of Chicago, the Dells. Uh, on the show with us at the Apollo Theater, when most of us quit, or some of the guys got fired by uh, uh, the man who owned the uh, Apollo Theater, because one of our one of our fellows got a little tipsy and he sort of sweared at the owner of the uh, the Apollo Theater. So he called downtown, told George Fredwell he didn't want those drifters back there anymore. And on the show with us was a group called the Crowns, which was Benny King. They became the second, uh, let's see, they became about the third group of drifters. Actually, in, in, in reality, I think there's probably about, there's been about five groups of drifters from the very beginning, because Clyde had his group, and then some other guys had a few other groups, and well, that's how that went. In fact, I am the only one left that sang with the original drifters and still alive. Every last one of them have passed. Johnny, the Thrasher Brothers, and Bill Pinkney. All of them have passed away, and I, I really miss those guys. They were very nice, man, and I enjoyed it. Oh, when you climb the highest mountain, when a cloud some of your musical influences when you were first starting out? Oh, Eddie Fisher, Perry Como, 
There were so many of them. I used to watch these young these guys on TV. I loved Eddie Fisher. I loved Nat King Cole. Uh, in fact, I even listened to some of the songs of some of the older guys. That there was a lot of singers that I liked uh, at that time. A lot of I wasn't in so much into blues. I was too young for that. So I didn't really understand the blues. What that was about. But anybody that had those TV shows, Perry Como and all those, I used to love those shows, man. That's where I really got the idea. I used to listen to those guys, and I used to try to sing some of the songs the way they did it. So when were you first exposed to rhythm and blues? Rhythm and blues, oh, I was about 14 years old. I was living in Detroit with my father, and I was buying the Drifters records when I was a kid. And I used to take those big old records home, put them on my brother's machine. And I stay, I really, I'd, I'd sing to all those songs. I'd sing all the White Christmas and everything they had. Bill, when the, the Dominoes had uh, Jackie Wilson, which was one of my friends, I used to listen to him. He was with uh, the Dominoes. Jackie Wilson and Clyde McFadden was two of the best lead singers that Billy Ward had. But Billy Ward, I was told, mistreated those guys and wanted to treat them like children. They all got mad. They quit. And then he just got him another group. In fact, I saw saw him uh, when I first came out to California about maybe six, seven years ago. I saw Billy Ward in the grocery store. I was surprised to see that man. After I'd bought those records and things, and I hadn't seen to see him. And I went up to him, shook his hand, told him who I was, and that was it. Up next, we'll hear Bobby share his memories of his days with the Swallows and the Flyers, two groups he was in before joining the Drifters. And what can you tell us about your time with the Swallows? Swallows were a lot of fun. I joined them, uh, I was in Baltimore, and I met the Swallows. And uh, I sang with them for close to, I don't think it was a year, probably about six months or so. I recorded that itchy, twitchy feeling, and when they heard that, they also recorded it. So they they made a few pennies off of it as well. They're actually from Baltimore. I happened to be living there, passing through. I left there and went to Washington, D.C. What about the Flyers? What can you tell us about that group? Flyers, Flyers were... Uh, actually, some of the Flyers were... Uh, there was a guy we sang with named Bill, Billy Kennedy. Billy Kennedy was... A person we met in Baltimore along with the same time I met the Swallows. And from the Swallows, we used a guy named D. Ernie Bailey. And he was another guy that was funny. And uh, none of us, we didn't, I don't think we stayed together more than about two, two years or something like that. And Bill Pinkney was also there at the same time. He put the group together. He didn't stay with us long. And, and uh, some of the, a lot of the guys just left. But they were so disappointed in some of the things that we were trying to get done. And uh, that was about it with the Flyers. We had a pretty good thing. We were on Atco Records. We tried to make the most out of it. Good. I think we may have sold a few copies. Some people, some people still remember, and I get asked about those things. My only desire, my dear, is to make been my desire, my dear, for a long, long time. I 
is to win your heart. It's been my desire, my dear, from the very Bag with your host Neil the Nighthawler sharing an interview I recorded with Bobby Hendricks in June of 2013. These next two tracks are very rare, never issued recordings. They were recorded in January or February of 1958 at William H. Schuster's Universal Recording in Miami, Florida. The Drifters were under contract with Atlantic Records, so they recorded this session using the name The Settlers. At the time, the members of the group were Gerhard Thrasher, Carnation Charlie Hughes, Tommy Evans, Jimmy Oliver, and Bobby Hendricks. There were four tunes recorded, two of them featuring Bobby Hendricks on lead. This is technically the first Drifter session that included Bobby. None of these songs were issued, and more than likely, only one or two copies of each were pressed to acetate. 57 years later, in the summer of 2015, Collector Christopher Smith found what are undoubtedly the only surviving copies of these recordings on the dusty floor of a flea market in Florida. So here they are, The Settlers, a.k.a. The Drifters, featuring the lead voice of Bobby Hendricks with Sugar Plum and Come Home. Baby 
Drifters recordings you'll hear. Thanks to Christopher Smith for salvaging those, and also special thanks to Marv Goldberg. It's a spotlight on Bobby Hendricks on this edition of Trick Bag with yours truly, Neil the Night Holler. Up next, Bobby talks about launching his solo career in 1958. How did you end up with Sue Records? Uh, I was walking down the street, right out there in, in, the, in, the, in New York. And I happened to bump into this guy, and he asked me, he knew I was a singer, and he asked me, uh, how would I like to go to do some singles on my own? Well, I was so happy to uh, jump for that. And that was a fellow who was working for Sue Records. Sue Records was owned by Jesse Murray. So I did that itchy, twitchy feeling, and oh, I mean, I recorded about maybe 17 songs with them, with Sue Records. Uh, I think probably two of them may have been some nice size hits, maybe three of them. But that's how I got uh, with Juggie Murray, because I had just quit the Drifters. I really didn't like the way the Drifters members were being treated, nor did any of them. That's why there was so much problems with it. They weren't really, really making any money that they were supposed to get. At, back that time, our biggest salary was $5,000, but the group only got 1000 of that, so 4000 went into the office, and everybody got sick of that. And they began to be replaced just like someone looking for a job and they couldn't get one, and that's, that's what happened. They, they, they got rid of a lot of guys, and a lot of guys quit themselves because they know they weren't being paid right and they weren't being fair. So that's what happened with the Drifters and the Treadwells, and that's how I got over to uh, Sue Records. Oh, 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 dreamy eyes Your kisses 
$50,000 at one time, and I never got that $50,000, but I remember went to a movie to see Ike and Tina Turner in a show that uh, where Ike and Tina was joining uh, Sue Records, and Ike held up a check telling Tina that he had $50,000 he just got from Sue Records. I said, hell, that's my money. I never got a dime of that, so... Yeah, Itchy Twitchy Feeling, I believe, was the uh, the first big hit that Sue Records had back in the Right. Yep, and I, I, I wrote that, and I gave it, I gave the credits, and the I gave it to Jimmy Oliver, because Jimmy Oliver was a good friend of mine, he was a guitar player, we lived together in, uh, in an apartment up in Brooklyn, where his aunt and I and all of us lived up there, and uh, I felt at that time, which I didn't know any better, I was only about 18, turning 19, I was telling Jimmy at that time, Jimmy and I sat down, we wrote maybe about five or six songs. And I used to tell Jimmy that uh, I would give him the credit for at least three of them because I felt like I would make more money than Jimmy was making as just a single guitar player, which actually was true. But I was trying to help him out because we were good friends. But Jimmy passed away very early, and I missed him a whole lot. So I was like I was willing to give him uh, recording rights to those songs so that he would uh, make a decent living or a good living or somehow make some money off of it. And uh, that was my buddy. Sitting here wondering what it's all about. This rock and roll music that makes you shout. You tune in on bandstand, they're jumping like mad. And they're dancing, they're doing it. Don't look bad. You get that itchy, twitchy feeling. You start rocking and reeling. Soon your arms and legs start flapping like a hound. I'm not the yak and you're the rock. 
And there was another uh, kind of unusual song that you recorded for Sue, which was a hit, and I believe it was co-written by Clyde McFadden, called Psycho. Psycho. Oh, Psycho, he wrote that. Clyde wrote it, but he thought it would be beneath his dignity to sing some stupid song like that. I sang it because it was funny to me. And on top of that, you could see uh, on the Internet, if you went to the Internet now, you found Oprah Winfrey on there, you would see Tom Cruise jumping up and down on a bed trying to get his point across to uh, Oprah. And they're singing that song. They're singing that crazy song. Every time I turn around, I laugh, and that's been on there for years. So it's quite funny. And it ended up being a hit for you, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed doing it. It was funny. Any time I feel like laughing, I turn that thing on, and I still see it. I turn on the Internet and watch it, and I just crack up. After today, young man, I don't think you'll have need of my consultation any longer. I know now that all your trouble started at that dance. And at that time, you were in love with a girl named Jane. Yes, yes. It was a shame the way Jane broke your heart. Yes, she did. And it all happened because of a guy named Bob. And just think, at one time he was your best pal. Oh, how you cried and cried and cried. But now you found somebody new. And from now on, you'll never have another lonely day or night. Psycho by Bobby Hendricks from 1960 on Sue Records. The next year, Bobby switched over to Mercury Records, and we'll hear some of those recordings now, and also a few words from Bobby about his time with the label. What about your time with Mercury Records? Mercury Records, each one of those, uh, they didn't last too long, I think about a year. I had a nice fella named, uh, T.J. Wilshire was the fella's name, he was a great piano player, and he helped me get the songs together, and we did very well. He taught me a lot. He showed me a lot. So he helped me on a lot of records I recorded. But uh, we were shipped from one 
one Mercury record company to another company, and uh, that's that's how it went. They, uh, everyone said, "Hey, if you want to make it in this business, let's go to this company. Let's do this one." And we didn't have any long-term contracts, so it was kind of easy to get out of them. Did you feel that you had a lot of artistic freedom for the most part throughout your career? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I've always, uh, I've always been able to do whatever I thought would be beneficial to me as far as music is concerned. And so far, I, I didn't do too bad. I made mistakes like everybody else. Lost a few things like everybody else. But I enjoyed. I enjoyed the talent that God gave me. Looked out after me. And I've been doing this. Uh, now I'm 75. I've been doing this since I was about 18 years old, professionally, around 18. So it's been quite a few years, and I still enjoy the smile and the happiness that my show and what I do brings to people. That's my most important thing on stage, is to make people enjoy what we're doing. And so far, I've been quite successful at doing that.
recorded a nice record for a cub label called Let's Get It Over. That was one of my favorite songs, and uh, it didn't get too high. It didn't get high on the charts at all for some reason. I guess it just wasn't, uh, wasn't what people wanted to hear at that time, or either that, it wasn't uh, shown enough, it wasn't produced enough. in wasting time Let's get it over Cause I know I know what's on your mind You wanna tell me there's someone new You wanna tell me that we are through But you are wondering how can you Without hurting me <laughs> But you can't, you see So let's get it over All you gotta do is say goodbye Let's get it over Darling, just ignore Ignore the tears that I cry solo career, Bobby sang on and off with Bill Pinckney's group, which he called the Original Drifters. They recorded a single in 1967 under the name Bill Pinckney and the Originals. Bobby sang lead on the A-side, and here it is, The Masquerade is Over.
you recorded a record in the late 60s on Williams Records called Go On Home Girl. Yeah, man, some of that stuff I really, uh, I really thought wasn't good enough, but they did. I thought there was a lot of empty stuff going on there uh, uh, as far as the, the words were concerned uh, and some of the music. But, you know, sometimes you, you have artists and artists say, okay, this is great, this is great. But the director says, no, do this and put that on there and do this. And, and that's the way that went. You follow the boss, follow whatever you have to give out, uh, whatever you sound like. Whatever you feel that you're right by doing it, you just go ahead and do it. But then sometimes you are told, hey, man, change this, do that, do that. Do this note, hit that note. Sometimes you, know, you always run into things like that. But it's a lot of fun once you get it over with. So, 
how can people get in touch with you if you want to book you? How they get in touch with me? I'm on the internet. And if anyone should look up the internet, you'll see everything about me, my whole career, my life, where I started from, and all that is on the internet. You just look up for Bobby Hendricks or the original Drifters, and it's all there. In fact, I got one of my grandsons who's out, who works in Washington, D.C., uh, very close to the president. He, he's, making a, he's making a page for me uh, so I can put it on the internet and put it. He has everything that he knows about me. And he's making it. In fact, I think he just completed the job yesterday. So I haven't been able to go and look at him because my wife is checking out now to see if it's. But uh, yeah, my grandson Adam, he has done a lot of things to put on this uh, on the internet for me. So anybody who wants to find out about Bobby Hendricks, just dial in Bobby Hendricks, and it's there. It'll pop right up. I think we pretty much covered everything. I think we yeah. have. And I really enjoyed telling you, Neil, and I hope you I hope you can hear me and understand everything that I was trying to put down here, because I have had an enjoyable life. I would love to come to, um, go to anywhere, any place, any state in the country. I really would like to get a group there, and I'd like to work for the veterans. They have, well, you know, they have their uh, auditoriums, they have their, their hospitals, and they have things. In fact, I did one down in Georgia. No, actually, it was Alabama. We did a show for the soldiers, and they, the people had us marching all through the hospital singing drifter tunes. Instead of having silence, they were having music. Uh, but I, I am really, sincerely, deeply caring about the, the soldiers, the wounded soldiers, the unwounded soldiers. I'd just like to let those guys know that for them to give up their lives for us, we need to get out there and do put on a show for them and uh i'd still love to do that that first one i did was so great that i've been trying to not really hard but i've been every now and then if i could get somebody who's associated with the uh, the army and the hospitals i would love to do a show for the soldiers that's a hell of a thing to lose the life to protect the country and the world and, we sometimes ignore those guys like they did these soldiers from the Vietnam War. So I always talk about that and mention that and say, I hope and pray to God that we don't treat the soldiers coming home the way we did those guys. And most of the people in the audience, especially the older men, they stand up and applaud. And, and I do it from the bottom of my heart because both my brothers were in the service. Uh, they have both passed away. But uh, I respect the soldiers. And anything that we can do to... Uh, bring joy to them i'd be glad to do some of those shows other than that neil i think that's about it for me my man i think so well again i really appreciate you taking the time to do this and i know my the audience is gonna love hearing from you i'll do it anytime if you feel like calling me again sometime do so uh, i might take you up on it and we can do this again anytime you want to okay sounds great all right thank you so much okay man uh, you right. have a good one you too bye-bye bye-bye things out tonight a thousand dreams by bobby hendrix 
from 1958. I've had a great time revisiting my talk with Bobby Hendricks from a little over eight years ago and presenting it here on Trick Bag. It's worth a mention that Bobby also made some recordings with the Sprites and the Marquees, but doesn't have much recollection about those tracks. And I'm happy to say that Bobby is still going strong at age 83. This is Neil the Nighthawler, and I hope you'll hang out with me again on the next episode of Trick Bag, direct from New Orleans. Trick Bag is hosted and produced by yours truly, Neil Pellegrin. Executive produced by Kirsten Cluthy and Adam Kaplan in partnership with EAC Productions with audio production by Matt Dwyer. If you like what you just heard, please rate and review us and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcast platforms. Osiris. Oh,